0: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less, and don't ever let anyone rip you off. Clark.com is our main web address. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save the money. Now you rely on me for advice, for guidance, for information, and it's really important to me... ...that I serve you. That's the whole purpose of what I do, is to be of service to you. But there are times where you feel, I come up short on that, that I have failed to deliver. And that's why we have a feedback forum called Clark Stinks. It's where you let me know that I did fail to serve you and others... And so you can post on Clark Stinks. Others can see what you've written. They can comment on it, add to it, disagree with you, agree with you, whatever. And this is really useful to me. So please, if I've annoyed you, take the time to go and post. Now weekly, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you here on the air.
1: I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm
2: wrong.
3: Maybe you're right, pal.
2: Okay, Clark's statement that silver and gold do not make anything. Clark, Clark, Clark. All I want you to do is Google all the items in today's world which use silver and gold as a component. You will find that many of them completely destroy the metal, and thus the total quantity of silver and gold on the earth continues to decrease every day. It is very similar to petroleum, except that both happen to be beautiful metals. Saving these metals can also be fun if you turn it into a coin collection. Thus, I say let people invest in gold and silver. It's a great hobby, and both are important metals to industry. As the supply of both goes down, the value will continue to rise. I appreciate
0: what you've said about gold and silver, precious metals in general, and there are people that are gold bugs. Uh, Gold is on a roll right now. My feeling is that where we really need to invest is in productive capacity, things that improve people's lives, improve wealth overall, create opportunities for people. And with the bright minds we have and the ingenuity that's where the real money's to be made. And gold, in particular, is a hedge against bad times. And there are always going to be cycles of good times and bad times. That's why I've said that having a portion of your assets in gold or precious metals is fine. But as an investment, I don't see it as that. Uh, as for what is made out of gold, obviously jewelry. There are a number of uses for gold and silver, That are beyond just holding them, but the primary purpose of both of them that people are using today is as a form of investment, and that I don't support.
2: Okay, so this was definitely written before the person in Massachusetts won that big, huge Powerball lottery, your lottery advice is oversimplified. Clark, why do you want us to leave money on the table? It's unlikely any of us will win the $700 million Powerball, and normally I'd agree with your advice to take the annuity option on the lottery. Most lottery winners don't win enough to sacrifice the future value of their winnings by taking the lump sum. On the massive Powerball Mega Millions drawings, the math changes due to tax brackets. After taxes, the 29-year annuity on tonight's Powerball will be 13 Point six million dollars million. I'm simplifying the effective tax rates. The lump sum of $440 million payout is taxed at the same rate to about $239.8 It seems better to take 29 payments totaling $381 million. Anyone with poor spending and saving habits should take the annuity, but people who save can take the lump sum and earn much more.
0: <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that most people who come into an unexpected pile of money have a lot of trouble handling it. And that's why I love taking a big lottery jackpot and receiving it essentially as an annual allowance because that way, even if you blow one year's money, you still have the remaining years to come. And so it's all about behavior of how we behave as human beings rather than strictly the dollars and cents.
2: And you don't recommend buying lottery tickets. Like, no, you I mean if not, you get an inheritance or anything like that too, the right? The best
0: lottery in life is the one you create by your habits and your saving.
2: Clark told a customer... There were two about this, by the way. I'm going to read two. Clark told a customer to structure cash deposits. Listening to the podcast... Um, a caller had over 100K of cash in her home. Clark said to deposit $8,000 a week to avoid reporting. And even after she said she had read that was illegal, he basically said, Who cares? Is Clark trying to get his listeners in trouble? The reporting only takes a few extra minutes at the teller line collecting information. If she structures the deposits to avoid reporting, she will get reported for this illegal activity. Any bank worth their weight will have software in place to detect this activity. The bank will most likely file a suspicious active report on the listener. Time to use Google and educate yourself, Clark. And someone else wrote the same thing that structuring is illegal. I
0: appreciate both of you saying that and I should not have given the guidance I did on that call.
2: Clark... You don't stink, but your barbecue grill scrubbing advice reeks like a grease trap on July 5th. Listeners worried about getting brass brick bristles stuck in their stomach don't need to go and buy a fancy grill brush with bio bristles. All they need is a wadded ball of aluminum foil. The foil ball assumes the shape of the grating after a few strokes and leaves the grill as clean as any brush, stone, or any other fancy scrubbing device I've ever tried. For your more thrifty listeners, recycled foil works fine just just as well. Just don't forget the fold si- to, to fold the side with food residue inwards, Eddie.
0: Eddie? Okay. So that was actually from Consumer Reports, that advice. And as I've confessed on many occasions, I know how to eat food. I don't know how to cook it. So when I was talking about the wire grill brushes, I was basically being a parrot And I am unqualified to speak on the best way to cook. So I love your suggestion. That's awesome. You
2: can get aluminum foil at the dollar store.
0: Aluminum foil is so inexpensive and a great way to protect yourself at the same time. Great advice.
2: You don't have to do all that cleaning. Oh, that sounds good. Clark recently asked for a simple explanation from a techie about how a VPN differs from other protections one might use when browsing the internet. Here goes. Imagine you're going to drive to the store to buy something, but you're worried about the highway robbers along the way that might assault you during your drive. So you build a concrete tunnel that starts at your garage and ends at the front door of the store. Now the highway robbers can't get to you. You are safe inside your concrete tunnel. But what about the bad guys that might be hiding inside the store ready to steal from you there or plant a bug on you that you might take with you back to your house? Your concrete tunnel did nothing to stop that. In this analogy, your house is your computer. The store is the website you're visiting and the concrete tunnel is the VPN. So the VPN protects you and your data during its journey from your computer to the website or server you're visiting. It does nothing to protect you from nefarious villains that might inhabit that particular website. This is why using a dedicated Chromebook is still necessary even when using a VPN. Since the dedicated Chromebook is usually used only to visit trusted websites, it reduces or eliminates the possibility that a compromised website could send a virus or other malware that could travel back through your concrete tunnel and infect your computer rick in wexford pennsylvania
0: rick that is the best explanation i've heard of a vpn and the role it plays in keeping you safe and i am grateful to you and again if you're not familiar with the chromebook that's something you need to learn about because they are a great protection against the people out there who want to do you harm over the internet
2: clark veterans deserve your best answer I know it is. Le- it was late and maybe you were thinking about going home or maybe the treadmill was depriving your brain of its needed oxygen. <laughs> I have heard you do better. Toward the end of your August 21st podcast, you took a call from a vet with substantial home equity asking about taking out a reverse mortgage to make ends meet. He seemed to indicate that this was kind of an end of the rope situation, which I believe you understood. I am not a fan of reverse mortgages, but in my humble opinion, you left out probably the most important questions for him to consider. What would you like to see done with the house after you die? Or if you have heirs, is it important that they receive the house? If he has heirs, a home with a substantial debt due on transfer may not be what they would want. If he doesn't have heirs or they don't need or want the house, his peace of mind may be more important. As people get older, I think many may find it to be more about peace of mind than getting the best deal. Depending on how much he needs to draw, if he lives too long, he may begin to get concerned about the size of the loan and the interest payments, which would not happen with a reverse mortgage. There's no reason to take risks you don't need to. I don't think you gave him your best answer. Hopefully, you guys will pick this to be read, and he will be listening. Thank you and him for your service.
0: Do we know who posted that? No. Okay, well, I appreciate you posting about it. I am hyper-concerned about... The ripoffs involved with reverse mortgages, the massive fees that are stacked on top of fee with reverse mortgages, and that's why you'll hear me refer to them repeatedly as a last option, not a first option. But I failed if I did not ask the most fundamental question, and that is, do you want someone to inherit the house or assets from you? Which is the question I should always ask first when somebody's looking at using their house as a potential source of funds.
2: Hotels stink and Clark smells. Clark recently talked about the appropriate amount to tip the underpaid hotel cleaning staff each night. He totally missed the problem. Hotels should increase their cleaning staff wages by a few dollars and increase the nightly room rates to cover the cost. As a frequent business traveler, I wouldn't mind paying a few more dollars on my rate that I can charge off rather than having to carry cash to dole out each night. Hotels are putting the burden on the guests to take care of the staff instead of taking responsibility for their employees, and that stinks.
0: And, you know, in addition to the problem with hotels underpaying their staffs and causing the very high turnover they have, the same issue is going on in a lot of sectors like restaurants, restaurants, fast food where people are being paid at pay rates that lead to the extremely high turnover rates i had the privilege of talking with somebody who is head of human resources at a large convention hotel and she relayed to me that their turnover of believe it or not their turnover of housekeepers was 15 percent a week not a month a week, and that it's like a revolving door getting people in there. When you have that much turnover, something's seriously wrong with the working conditions and the pay.
2: Pennies on the dollar land sale, beware. Clark is always talking about these pennies on the dollar land sales that are supposed to be so great. I have been to three, and I can tell you that they sell them at market value and only one or two are a steal of a deal, but no one ever... Ever gets them. I tried buying one of the great deals, but the real estate salesman would not call it in as sold. He wanted to show me other lots that were higher, and that was the start of the sales pressure to buy one of the higher price lots at market value. So, my advice, and hopefully Clark will agree buyer beware. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, that's uh, they must have heard someone else or heard a commercial or something. Yeah, because
0: I am very clear that all these fancy. Colorful postcards, there are these oversized postcards that are showing up all over America for land sales at, in the mountains and resorts at lakes, all that, that are promising you're getting land at 90% off and all that. It is a bunch of malarkey. And how's that for <laughs> it's a, great a word. family word, family friendly word, <laughs> malarkey, malarkey. You sub in the word that you think should go there and know that whenever you get one of these pitches for these screaming deals for land. All you'll be doing later is screaming if you buy one of them in agony.
2: All right, and a quick one, fun one. So my local station dropped you like a hot potato today for some silly little eclipse thing. I'm deeply and personally disappointed in you, Clark, and think that you stink because you can't control the heavens and earth to my personal satisfaction. (laughs) I could have missed an incredible tip from you had you been on the air. Perhaps a new savings app that could have saved me 25 cents on rhubarb at the Piggly Wiggly this week. But no, you allowed your show to be cut off by some little eclipse. P.U. Come on, Clark. Stop being so selfish and arrogant and revolve your entire show around me and my ever-changing preferences other than that love the show keep up the good work but on this issue mr clark you really stink oh
0: well i hope that you at least took time to enjoy the eclipse while it was happening and i appreciate all your posts please go to clark.com go to clark stinks and let me know how i can serve you better rick is with us on the clark howard show hi rick
3: hello how are you sir
0: great how are you doing
3: Well, um, I am in the hot and humid state of North Carolina, and it is sweltering.
0: Sounds like the time for a vacation to Asheville.
3: Yeah, that would be great. That would be great.
0: Well, how can I be of service to you on this sweltering day for you?
3: Well, over the weekend, my wife and I, we're going over our finances, and we started uh, talking home equity loan. And so we currently have a home equity loan uh, through our local credit union. A rate of uh, four and three quarters percent and we're wondering if there's any way of course we would like to get a lower rate and is there any way to forego the reapplication process with another lender is there a way to transfer a home equity line
0: sadly no but another lender may offer you a deal attractive enough that it's worth paying the fees that tend to be lower with a home equity. Now, is this a home equity line or loan?
3: It's a home equity line of credit.
0: So the interest rate floats. The yes. B- the big issue for you and your wife is the interest rates that the home equity line are based on have stayed really, really quiet and low for a long time, mm-hmm. and that's about to change. Mm -hmm. So every time the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates it controls, your interest rate will rise typically by a quarter point after every time the Federal Reserve meets. So let's have a different conversation, if you don't mind. Sure. How long do you anticipate it'll take you to pay off the balance on this home equity line?
3: At the rate we're going now, I think... About another two to three years.
0: Well, that's a pretty short window. Yeah. So there may not be an advantage to you moving that money anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because four and three quarters percent is not terrible. What's your first mortgage at?
3: 3.75.
0: So no move there. And that's the overwhelming amount of the money you borrowed anyway. Correct. So I would just pay on this one as agreed. Knowing that as the balance goes down, you're going to see effectively higher interest rate, but it'll be accumulating on a lower and lower balance for what is likely a relatively low balance. If you're going to be able to kill it off in a couple of years, it's not going to be a major effect on your wallet or your life. Okay. Because great. the One major left. the major action you've got fixed at a phenomenal 3.75 percent.
3: Yeah, I'm thankful for that. Yes. So. Thank you, Clark. I appreciate it so much.
0: Best to you. I'm so glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show because there is something I am bursting with excitement to share with you. Something that I've been hoping for for probably the last 20 years. And now I can tell you we're on the cusp of something really great happening for your health and your wallet all in one. It is awesome. A money-saving moment.
3: It's another Clark Howard money-saving moment.
0: We in the United States pay by far the highest prices in the entire world for hearing aids. It is a national scandal that is about to end. We have had laws in the United States that created a cartel where hearing aids cost on average 14 times what they do elsewhere in the world. And as a result, a huge number of people, and I think every family in America, who could benefit from hearing aids don't wear them. But now, thanks to nearly unanimous votes... In the US Senate and the US House, we are on the edge of you being able to get hearing aids at a teensy tiny fraction of the current cost. You know, the best estimate is that 90% of people who need a hearing aid abandon the purchase because of a cost, if they even try to get one. And overwhelmingly, people who would benefit don't wear them. I will tell you that when the time comes that I'm having trouble hearing conversation around me, I will get them. There will be no vanity for me about having those things in my ears. And with how much people have been listening to music with earbuds, those earbuds are destroying your hearing and you will be benefiting from hearing aids much sooner than you might imagine. You know, I fly almost every week, and it's weird on an airplane with the rumble of noise when I'm sitting in a row and I can hear somebody, the at least the beat of somebody's music that they're playing with earbuds. Let me tell you, they got that cranked up. Don't do that. But anyway, now you will be able to buy hearing aids that don't go through the industry cartel. And you'll see steadily over the, the next many months. And by the way, it passed the Senate. Is it 99 to 1 or 98 to 1 or something like that? 94 to 1. So a few senators didn't vote. You will see this steady, steady drop in hearing aid costs. And as we've done for years, I've posted information about alternatives on Clark.com, and we will be your place to come as the new devices come out in the marketplace, plus some we already have posted at Clark.com that are much more affordable, and we will have that information available. What it's going to do is it's going to force the industry to reorient its business model. Right now what happens is that people who work in the hearing aid industry, the audiologists, the professionals, provide their services to you at a big loss and make it up on the hearing aids now it'll become a real business they'll charge you a real price for their knowledge their training and expertise and then you'll pay a real decent price at a tiny fraction of the existing ones for your hearing aids that is all to the good Emmett's with us on the Clark Howard show Emmett how are you doing
1: Hey, pretty good, Clark. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. How can I be of service to you?
1: Well, I am uh, feel like I'm a little behind the eight ball as far as retirement investing goes. So I have um, kind of pretty much eliminated all my debt, except for my, the home I own.
0: Congratulations. Um,
1: thank you. Uh, but I feel like I need to do a little bit more, so I want to see about uh, accumulating some uh, passive income from retirement from uh, Um rental
0: properties oh i love rental properties
1: oh do you yeah well yeah i've been a landlord uh, i've been a landlord
0: for 33 years i think now
1: oh okay very good well i um anyway i went to a seminar and attended it and bottom line is it's going to cost me nine thousand dollars what 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 Oh. wow
0: okay wait 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 wait. you told me you were trying to accelerate your savings and investment for your retirement future (laughs) Giving somebody nine thousand dollars takes you the other way these one of these things where you go to a free seminar and they tell you about how you're going to dare to be rich in real estate but you need them to be your shepherds and walk you through the process and all that and they're going to show you how you can own all these properties with little or no money and blah 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 Did you teach the class? Oh, no, I've just heard the story for (laughs) for 20 years. Yeah, I know they make it sound like it's really awesome, but unfortunately, they have inside information that you really need in order for you to be able to join them on this party that's like virtually a free ride. And let me tell you, if it was as easy to acquire real estate Is they told you in the pep rally free thing why would they even tell you about it why would they share it with you why wouldn't they warren buffett on you and they own everything
3: Hmm.
0: so have you given them a credit card number at this point or anything like that no i haven't done any of that so Um, i'll tell you my favorite strategy for you if you're looking at getting involved in having your own properties starting with one and accumulating them, uh, develop them into a portfolio of rental properties, is join a local real estate investors club. They're all over the country, people just like you who are, and it's not, it's not going to be a walk in the park having rental properties like they told you at the Pep rally. There's a okay. lot of, there's a lot of hard work, a lot of dead ends, a lot of research, But if you join one of the local real estate investor clubs and just just put in on your computer your city name, uh, real estate investor club, and you'll probably get hits about various clubs that meet. Or in your local newspaper, and usually in their Sunday real estate section, you'll see information about local real estate clubs, investor clubs.
1: So you mean I spent 16 hours uh, out of my life that I'll never get back? attending a
0: weekend (laughs) no you probably picked up some stuff that'll be helpful yeah Yeah. i find that when you go to those dare to be rich pep rallies there's some nuggets that are things i never thought about that oh i never looked at things that way that's true that are things that you can put together to your advantage when you get into the real grind and hard work of acquiring real estate selecting the right tenants managing those properties but anybody who says, hey, we're gonna mentor you and pay us all that money, forget it. Okay. And very good. you know, you well, join you a local much. I appreciate that. You, you join a local real estate investors club, you're probably talking about twenty-five bucks or fifty bucks to be a member. A lot better than nine thousand. Mason's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mason. Hey, how you doing, Clark? Great, thank you, Mason. How can I be of service to you? Well, well, what happens is I am at the end of my car lease, right
1: The residual price is fourteen grand. I am considering buying the vehicle right i'm I'm below in my miles i just think it's a pretty good uh a pretty good car i I like it and i wanna you know i wanna hold on to it now I know if I would have read uh, uh your instructions uh that you You've given out plenty of time about uh, leasing cars and how it's really a bad deal, uh, financially speaking. And uh, and uh, I, I didn't get that information before I bought this thing. Uh, you know I, I got this lease signed
0: under this. Okay, lease stop beating ago. up on yourself. You did it. So fourteen thousand. My life. <laughs> fourteen thousand to buy it. Right? You said that's right. All right. Have you checked to see what the vehicle is actually worth at yeah. its age? Yes, I have. And how much uh, is it really worth now in the marketplace?
1: Right around, uh, like for uh, the uh, retail, it's right around fourteen grand. If it's a private sale, it's right around fourteen grand. However, it is for uh, what is the last category? Trade One in. that's like personal, straight up, or whatever. Trade it's Like it's like just around, just under 1300. thirteen
0: hundred. Thirteen thousand.
1: Right, and this is where this is where I came you know, I, I come seeking your uh, your guidance. What happens is I thought, and I didn't know because this was my first lease, I, I thought that uh, the residual price was kind of negotiable. You know, once I come to... Potentially to it is. Let lease. me
0: tell you when it's most negotiable. Okay. If your lease was written by a bank, the bank doesn't want that vehicle back. And the bank will be willing to negotiate with you, because they're going to have to turn around and they're going to have to just wholesale that thing and they're going to they're going to take a pretty good bath on it versus uh, what its retail is. But right. if your lease is with the financing arm of the automaker, yeah. They're not as likely to negotiate with you because part of their whole deal is they take those back and they make them available to their dealers to have on their used car lot. Right. So is yours a bank lease or is it one well, from the manufacturer?
1: It's actually a at uh, I, I, I least it through the financial arm of this uh, the, this company
0: all right well yeah. you can you can make an offer to them at 13 or 12 I'd make it at 125 and see if they'll make a deal with you but odds are they'll say it's 14 or nothing but it might be worth you paying 14 because you said you're substantially below miles right?
1: Well, not, I mean, I'm I'm below miles. I didn't exceed them, but...
0: Yeah, but if you're, you know, and you've operated the vehicle, you know it, you like the vehicle, if they, if you make an offer to them and they turn you down or they don't counter it, anything other than residual, still, you might want to buy the thing. Go make sure you can get approved for financing first at a credit union. If you're not a member of one yet, go join a credit union, see what they'll finance you for it, for that vehicle and maybe you end up continuing to drive it and it becomes the car you own instead of the car you leased trevor's with us on the clark howard show hi trevor
3: hey clark how are you sir
0: great thank you you have a question for me about doing a roth ira for people who are being punished like you because you're too successful
3: well i don't know that i'm too successful but uh certainly blessed i guess um yeah and it's Kind of crazy. Uh, these accounts and the like, 529, I guess that they were interested in possibly taxing. And uh, uh, who the heck else knows what else is going to happen? But uh, question for you: I am getting a bonus from work. It's fairly sizable. I'm maxing out my 401k, and then um, you know I'll still have a lot left over. And I'm trying to figure out how I could do the IRA, but then roll it into the into the
0: Roth. You can, and why there's a rule that limits Roths based on income and then gives you a way around it is one of the crazy things, along with many others, that point out our tax code's a mess. What you do instead is you put $5,500 into what's known as a non-deductible IRA. Okay. Now, a lot of the companies that you'll go to to open one, they won't know what that is. You might have to walk them through it. But there is an obscure version of an IRA known as a non-deductible, which is where when you're income ineligible like you are, you put your money into it. Then you're allowed to immediately move it from that into a Roth IRA without income limit.
3: And that's called a non-deductible
0: IRA. Right, and so it's called a backdoor Roth, as you put money into the non-deductible, Establish the account, and then immediately move it into a Roth. Now, there's one roadblock. If you have any old IRAs sitting around, you are blocked from doing the transition from a non-deductible IRA into a Roth unless and until you also migrate any money in a traditional deductible IRA okay do you have any of those hanging out
3: so i you know i don't
0: oh then for uh, you this is easy 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 and only if you miraculously had a gain on the money in the time period between when you establish the non-deductible and you re-characterize as a roth would any money be subject to tax it would be only whatever earnings you had in the nanosecond between when you establish and when you reclassify, recharacterize. Okay.
3: Now I have an old Fidelity account that I don't use with it, with Fidelity. I, I mean, I'm not. Fidelity's great.
0: You that could that do Fidelity, Fidelity if you wanted to, but it will be a it'll be a retirement account, which will be a separate account number. But you already have an account there, which makes it easier to do that stuff. Fidelity is a very sophisticated company. In their retirement center, they'll have specialists that will know how to. Uh, carry you through the process of doing the non-deductible and then converting it into the Roth. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ron.
3: Hey, I recently got a packet from a former employer offering three choices to opt out of my company pension. My company got bought by another company, and I retained my employment with that company. And now the former employer which i had a pension with
0: they want um, rid of you big time
3: they want to settle with me yeah yeah
0: they want you out of there and the reason is is that old pension you have that's hanging out there from where you used to work is a liability for them yes and they want to cut that liability loose and they dangle in front of you saying we will write you a check for x number of dollars if you'll get out of our lives basically (laughs) yeah you don't want to do it
3: not under any circumstances
0: can't think of any you generally will be better served and the reason they're trying to get rid of you is they don't want to pay you the lifetime benefit they have to pay you when you retire right but it's your option and so they're trying and a lot of people in fact most people take the money it's like wow i never even thought about money from those people they're gonna give me all this i'm gonna say i can have a check or i can put the money in an ira but whatever they just want me to get lost and they'll give me this money right so if they want to give you that money that bad what does that tell you wait uh, till you're older and take the money can you wait till age 65 is that an option can,
3: oh yes i can
0: wait yeah I, wait it's, it's not, wait because no. what it does is it creates a lifetime stream of income for you that you couldn't duplicate if you took the money they're trying to get you to take and you then try to figure out how in the world to invest it to make money for yourself down the road it will be it won't be impossible but it's unlikely that you'll be able to do better than what they'll pay you if you start taking that money when you're 65 you're listening to the Clark Howard show Thanks for tuning into the Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, well, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet. And they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com.